Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Coming to you from Eggplant Studios in downtown Toronto, this is Jim Rats and Joints with Javon Shepard, Andy Routen, and Dan Gladman. Jim Rats and Joints is brought to you by Henderson's Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. For producer Dan Wong and myself, Jeff Cole, let's rack it up, Danny G. Welcome to the show. And, you know, we started this podcast in the summer and I just had my uh, my buddies, Javon Shepard and Andy Routens. And the three of us, along with producer Dan Wong, thought we could do something really interesting in talking about our lives in basketball and just being some Canadian guys who have been able to work in the sport, um, especially Shep and Andy, who were professional players um, in Europe. They played collegiately at Syracuse and Michigan, respectively, and some amazing things have happened in the course of the year. And one of them was Shep being named the general manager of the Ottawa Blackjacks of the Canadian Elite Basketball League, the CEBL. And as it happens today, as we record our podcast in uh, snowy and cold Toronto, Canada, Andy has been named the assistant general manager of the Ottawa Blackjacks. Andy, congratulations on this appointment and your entry into front office life in professional basketball. How are you feeling today about your new appointment? Thank you, DG. I appreciate that. The Jim Rats and Joints is now the official sponsor of the Ottawa Blackjacks. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just really excited and, and happy to be a part of it, the organization uh, and, and the CBL and where that's going, to have the opportunity to work with Shep. Uh, you know, he's going to be the, the, the captain of the ship, and, and I'm just here to support and, and try to build this team chemistry and get it going. Well, you, you and Shep are going to be spending a lot of time together. We've, you know, we've been once a week for really the last five months. This is our 20th episode. We're going to talk a lot more about that a little bit later, but uh, we also have a really, really special guest with us today, and, uh, a really good friend of mine, somebody, a Syracuse graduate, much like Andy Routens himself, his father, like your father, also went to Syracuse. There, there's something there. There's something about that school. People, people have these familial connections with Syracuse University. But Mr. Noah Eagle also happens to be the play-by-play voice of the Los Angeles Clippers on the radio. Some people up here might call them the Los Angeles Raptors. A lot of familiar faces among the Clippers. And... Uh, Noah, I, first of all, I just want to say thank you for, for joining us today. How are you doing out there in L.A.? DG, it's a pleasure, man. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. And, uh, yeah, look, we will gladly accept the Los Angeles Raptors title if it means that we can take that success <laughs> from 2019. If that transfers over, then I'm totally cool calling them the Los Angeles Raptors all season if it ends with a ring. I mean, you got the, the Tampa Bay Raptors. You might as well have the Los Angeles Raptors as well. 
No, I, I want to start by asking you about the season that happened, and specifically for the Clippers. There was so much stuff. I, I was actually working with you in Vegas at the Summer League when the news came out about Kawhi Leonard um, joining the Clippers along with Paul George. You know, the season starts, Kobe Bryant dies, and, and L.A. really reacts. The whole city, that didn't just affect the Lakers. It affected the Clippers. It affected almost the whole world, I feel like. You know, then the, the pandemic happens. Basketball moves into the bubble. Black Lives Matters happens all this. You're a young broadcaster, it, really, in your rookie season in the NBA. How were you able to manage all this stuff? Yeah, I think that I kept telling myself more so than anything that this was and is and probably forever will be the most tumultuous season in not just NBA history, but probably in, in multiple sports history and one of the most tumultuous years overall in world history. And so I think in the back of my mind, I kept telling myself, all right, well, look, you're just going to have to get through and navigate and the more experience you gain under these uh, tense circumstances, the better you're going to come out on the other side. And so, uh, especially that day that Kobe passed, that one is going to stick in my head forever uh, because we were in Orlando. We were set to play a game against the Magic. We were actually one of the first games to get tipped off that day. And so I was at the hotel about to get all my stuff together and roll my bag downstairs into the, to the bus area about three, four hours before tip of that game in Orlando. And it was the end of a five-game road trip. It was the, the Grammy road trip when the Grammys were happening at Staples Center. So we had to evacuate the area basically for a couple weeks. Us, the Lakers, and the, the Los Angeles Kings, all of us have to go on the road for basically two weeks. And so it was the tail end of that trip. We had had this long, arduous process. A bunch of things had already happened. And then... I get this alert on my phone from TMZ and I'm thinking like that. No, that's, that's not real. That's, that's gotta be fake. There's no possible way that that could have actually happened. And I go downstairs and I saw a couple people who, who were definitely plugged in people who knew Kobe very well in tears and, and completely a mess. And when I saw that and Mike Fratello was working with us for that game and he was a mess and so once I saw all of this, I'm thinking, like, how are we possibly going to play a game? And that was where the discussion turned. I never thought I'd be a part of something where they'd say, I think we're going to have to move this game maybe or not play it today or something. And that was the discussion when we got there. And all we did was park ourselves into the media area and watch the TV for any updates. And, and just sitting there with Mike Fratello or uh, with our producers and other broadcasters or whomever and seeing everyone's reaction. And I was at least thankful it was the same as mine. Cause I, I couldn't really keep it together. I mean, I grew up on Kobe being the face of the league. I grew up on that dude, like everything he did, you wanted to emulate. And so when I saw all of this unfold, I, I just couldn't quite keep it. And in my head, I said, all right, you're going to have to get through about three hours or so. And on the other side and you'll move to the next step and you can actually exhale and let the emotion out. But for the time being, because not only was I doing the radio that day, but I was also hosting the pregame halftime and postgame from Orlando. So the first thing people saw in LA was either my face or they heard my voice. And so again, I thought I got to keep that together for 
three and a half, four hours. So sure enough, Doc speaks, Doc Rivers, who was still our coach at the time, and he just let it all out. And I had never seen, I, I got to know Doc very well last year. I had never seen that emotion up to that point. And then he re-showed it in the second thing you mentioned, which was during that Black Lives Matter uh, surge in the bubble. And that that more so, I think I enjoyed that because it was necessary. And it was, um, I, I thought that it came at a, at a better and clearer and perfect moment to really shed light and really show what was happening. The Kobe thing was so unexpected and so depressing at the time, especially that I, like our sideline reporter couldn't go on air that day because she was so distraught and she had known him and a lot of our producers and people had worked with him. And so we do the show. It was all about him. Even the radio broadcast for the most part, we made a lot about him and we tried to intertwine the game and memories, et cetera. And then I come to find out afterward that our pregame show, this show that me as a first-year broadcaster, I, I only would host it from time to time on the road, that very day happened to be shown and on in Adam Silver's office. So the commissioner of the NBA was watching what I had to say about the events that unfolded, which thank God I didn't know in the moment because I probably would have thrown up all over the camera. Like it would have just been projectile vomit out of nowhere if I had found that out. So luckily I didn't know in the moment, but uh, it's a good reminder. You never know who's watching or listening. And yeah, that's that's the day that we'll, I'll never forget. The day the league got shut down, I'll never forget. And the day that the Bucks and the Magic boycotted their playoff game, I'll never forget. So a, a weird first season, but I'm really thankful that I was a part of all of those things because it reminds me that whatever comes the rest of my career, it's going to be almost like a cherry on top because now I've done almost everything at this point. I think you got, think you know, you got, in, in your in your one year, you got 10 years year, condensed. Ten years. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. You say it again? You cut out. Yeah, 100%. No, you're, you're actually, you're 100% right. Yeah, so, and, and I remember myself exactly where I was. I, I actually ha- was in, uh, Paris had a teammate um, that was actually from LA. Uh, he had a, a short stint, a cup of coffee in the NBA with LA. So, you know, we were actually going to watch Bad Boys, uh, the most recent one. I can't remember which number it was. And we're walking. Bad Boys for Life. For life. Oh, I, yeah, we went in Philly. Right. So we were walking into the theater. And I just got some popcorn and I just I heard him burst out, What the hell? Kobe's dead. And in my head, I'm, I'm thinking, like, Okay, which Kobe? What Kobe? Who? Who could that potentially be? Or who? 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 It can't be Kobe Bryant. And then he shows me his phone, and I, I go to my phone, because his phone has to be some shit. So I go to my phone, and I'm looking through Kobe Bryant's every headline, and I'm thinking, no, Kobe's immortal, right? So there's no way, and he's he's going to bounce back from this. All these are false reports. Um, then you start to see the reports of his daughter, and I'm thinking, what the hell is going on? But So we couldn't even focus on the movie, and I'm thinking... You know, this hit so hard because I think Kobe played in the NBA when, when the game had revolutionized so much in those years. And I think we all grew to Kobe. You know, we've seen the tail end of, of Michael Jordan. But, you know, Kobe was probably the first real superstar that we grew with in our generation. Uh, so I think it, it really hit to everybody in this era. So I can, I can attest to, you know, everything, all your sentiments and everything that you speak of. And, you know, you, you touched on it where 
it just made you strong. Everything that, that happened this year just made you stronger, you know, to hit the ground running, especially when we get back to some normalcy. So, you know, for you, it's a blessing in disguise because now you, again, you've experienced everything in over the last 12 months that any other broadcaster would probably go through the whole career. So, yeah, no, that, that, that's it's definitely interesting. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly how I look at it. And and one other thing that because you brought it up and, and you're absolutely right with the with the Kobe news that day was we didn't know what else was going to come out. Things were coming out rapidly for a couple hours after the fact. And one of the things that was reported initially was that Rick Fox was also in the helicopter. And at the time, one of our assistants, now our head coach, it's Ron Liu, who played with both those guys. And so to see him the mental gymnastics he was doing of, okay, what's going on here? What do I need to know? How can I find everything out? Uh, Corey McGetty was with us on that trip. He had been in Miami and worked with us. So we did the pre and post game show with him. And Corey's a great dude. He flew then to Orlando because that's where his parents live. So he was with us in Orlando, but not there presently. And Kobe was quite literally one of his best friends in the world. They shared Rob Palenka is an agent because Kobe had recommended it for, for Corey. And so, I, I mean, he was just, a, I just have to, I have to throw in there that Rob Palenka is a Michigan guy. Cause I know we have a couple of Syracuse guys in here. So <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to throw that right in there. You go ahead, go ahead, go right. Yeah. There. He was what well, pre prefab five guy. I, yeah, I get it. I get it. Look, I understand. I understand the pride, big blue. I get it. Um, yeah, no, but it was <laughs> all of those, all of those days, all of those uh, experiences and moments they are where were you when moments. So the Kobe day, where were you when? Uh, the day the league shut down, where were you when? And the day that the Bucks and the Magic boycotted, where were you? Like those are those are flashbulb memories, as they're called, with my uh, prestigious psychology minor that I got from the great Syracuse University as well. So um, this is it's crazy to like really stack all those up and think about it. But no, you're absolutely right. I'm going to take each experience with me moving forward through the rest of my career. Noah, shout out to uh, my, my Syracuse alum over here. Uh, yes. You know, we, we have that, that Cuse connection. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. It's, it's one of those where were you moments. And I think everybody can kind of pinpoint exactly where they were and how they were feeling at the time of the news. And for you to be thrown right into the fire, you know, immediately is, is, is incredible. And for you to handle that is it speaks to the, the education that you received at, at the, the, the Syracuse University. The Syracuse <laughs> University. Uh, you know, kind of moving on to to uh, where you're at presently at, at, with the Clippers. Um, you know, the Doc Rivers era is over. It's finally come to an end. There's a lot of mixed reviews, I'm sure, amongst Los Angelinos. Um, you know, in, in your opinion, what do you think that Tyron, Tyron Luke can bring to the team and, and what difference does he make in terms of uh, head coaching styles from Doc Rivers? Yeah, we're really excited about T. Lou, honestly. First of all, you know, we talked about growing up and idolizing Kobe. I grew up and idolized Andy's Syracuse teams. Those are teams that I grew up rooting for all the time. The Johnny Flynn's, my guy, Eric Devendorf, who I got yeah, to know. When I was at yeah. yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, those were those were fun teams. I got to go to some tournaments back on the East Coast. So got to say that. And by the way, Syracuse started to become a good funneling area for Canadian talent. We had uh, O'Shea Brissett. Quincy yeah. Gary, so they're they're starting to they're starting to figure it out. It's a direct pipeline from from yeah from Canada to to the Cukes, you know. So we'll keep that going strong for sure. I'm a fan because I look, I know especially I'm now tired in the of NBA. This shit. 
<laughs> you had to know it was coming, though. You had to know that this was exactly what's going to happen. Whenever you get multiple Cuse guys together, this is it's an obnoxious amount of Cuse orange in your face. I've learned. Oh, it's, it's, it's like getting green. Yeah, without a doubt. My dream school. Oh, really? It, it, it's it, it's funny. You know, these guys are proudly talking about Syracuse, a team that hasn't won the championship since two thousand and three. And lost to Rutgers. One of the all-time most winningest programs in college basketball history. Yeah, wait, hold on, hold on. Rutgers, Rutgers is actually Rutgers is a pretty good team. They're a top twenty-five team right now. Ron Harper's son is playing very well for them. DG, just because you did what two years at Virginia doesn't mean you claim them. Did you? Do you get your your degree there? No, but I I got a championship. I got an NIT championship while I was there. You can't lose to Rutgers. Then again, uh, Rutgers. Virginia. Virginia lost to San Francisco this year. Nobody's called me out on that, so I have to call myself out. I, okay, well, I at least respect that. Uh, no, to go back to the initial question, I, I think T. Lou, we're really excited about. Uh, we think that he is somebody who can unlock the best and most potential out of each player offensively, for sure, but he's going to focus a lot on the defensive end, uh, more freedom of movement. What he's preaching is he wants to play through the best players on the team, which is generally a good idea uh, but what he wants to change is when that first and second option isn't there what's the third and fourth option and that's something that I think we didn't see a whole lot last year was uh, the offense was a little stagnant at times and that's not necessarily on dock it's it's very hard to uh, build any sort of chemistry which was a, a word that we've heard a lot when guys are, are in and out of the lineup uh, the Clippers used at least tied with Golden State the most starting lineups in the NBA last year out of a reference point, I looked actually back to the Raptors from the year prior when Kawhi joined the team because I knew Kawhi was in and out of the lineup that year with the injury management, as it's called now. Um, and so I look back and I want to say I have the exact note. I can pull it up in a second if I get it incredibly wrong. But uh, the Raptors, I think, used about 22 starting lineups that year. And the Clippers used well more than 30 this past season. And that was in 10 fewer games. So that just gives you a little bit of a reference point of uh, injury in and out. Like Paul George didn't play the first 11 games of the year. Kawhi and Paul did not participate in training camp initially. Then you go to the bubble and you've got all your guys supposedly back. Three of them get COVID-19. Then three of them have to leave the bubble because of personal reasons. So that second training camp that they had, they didn't have their full roster either. So when you when you can't establish that, and, and you guys know this uh, from being around the game, from playing the game, when you can't establish that on-court chemistry, being together, realizing where, especially your new teammates, like their spots, what spots they want the ball in, where they feel comfortable, that's, that's where this team ran into some issues last year. And so those third and fourth options within the offense, they didn't – materialized. They didn't show themselves throughout the season. It was either option one or option two, or you're not getting a good shot. And so I think that's what he wants to take to the next level this year. And I think he's got the roster to do it. Hey, no, let me pose this question to you. Um, given that, you know, they went through, you know, more than upwards of 20, 30 roster change, no, lineup changes this year, this season. Do you think that is actually a benefit going into this season uh, because when I look at it, if you're looking at the fact that it's a 72-game season, condensed season, and triple the amount of back-to-backs, you know, there's going to be a lot of lineup changes throughout the, the NBA. Now, if they're already accustomed to that, they've already gone through that, they're already seasoned with that, 
and you you know you have to use you know your first your top player down to your fifth the fifteenth man on your bench. That sort of gives them a head start in the, in a sense, does it not? Yeah, it's funny, Chef, because I think most years when somebody says, "Hey, it's gonna whoever's gonna stay healthy for the entire year, that's gonna be the team that we'd expect to be there at the very end." Usually that means healthy from not having any injuries or having any serious uh, questions or maybe somebody had a migraine. But this year it has a whole new meaning. I've heard so many people with the sentiment of whoever stays COVID-free the most, the best, is going to be putting themselves in the best position to win the title this year. And it's absolutely true because if your star player, if for us, if Kawhi Leonard gets COVID in the middle of the season, that's hard to overcome. But to your point, I actually think that this team is well-versed in dealing with something like that because they had to deal with that a little bit last year. There were stretches where Kawhi missed maybe three games in a row. Paul missed those first 11 games. Then he missed large chunks during the season with hamstring issues. So when your two best players last season already were were out for a number of games, sure, you're, you're definitely prepared to now handle the load without them. And I think having the depth that the Clippers still do. You know, I think losing Montrez Harrell was was certainly the headliner from the summer, but they replaced him with a guy that you guys know very well and I think actually fits in terms of skill set, in terms of uh, mental toughness a little bit more than maybe Trez did, and that's Serge Ibaka. And so you can insert Serge, you can insert a guy like Luke Kennard and Nick Batum, and you're not missing a beat with that depth that they already had. So they can go 10, 11 guys deep, and be okay. And when you've got that luxury, now when somebody does have to potentially miss 7, 10, 14 days, you're going to be okay and you can find a way to navigate through it and not necessarily unscathed, but uh, limit the damage that, that is caused by it. Well, I, I was going to ask you next, Noah, about, about Serge Ibaka, which I think is a, a great acquisition for the Clippers. Losing Harold hurts, but you know you mentioned a third or fourth option and I think in, in that starting five, uh, there's a stability there with Ibaka, who in the last his last couple of years with Toronto really learned um, what his role is and where he could fit in and choose his spots um, to take shots. But, you know, Ibaka also learned the value of a little bit of entertainment. And Noah, you, you're, you're not just a sports guy. You, um, <laughs> you know your movies, you know your music. Um, my understanding is you hosted a game show in your Syracuse years. So for me, the question is, is going to be about Ibaka's impact on the screen in Los mm. Angeles. Is he going to bring how hungry are you? Is he going to be Mafuzi chef? And are you going to be his co-host in some of these entertainment operations? Well, first of all, let me say that I'm, <laughs> my favorite, I think my favorite moment from that show, and Serge has done incredible work with that. I, he's really good at it. He's great. He's got this great personality. I mean, his first interview or first media session that he did over Zoom with the Clippers, he was speaking in French, he was speaking in Spanish, he was speaking in English. I, I love the guy already. And he, you can tell that he's a contagious personality, and he certainly brought that to Toronto. And you're right, Dan, that he he expanded his palate when he was in Toronto, both literally and figuratively. Literally meaning I don't know anybody who's going to eat bull penis pizza and enjoy it, uh, but <laughs> figuratively, like, he he expanded his arsenal to show, wow, this guy's got a lot of layers there. And that I love that when these guys uh, show that they are humans because there are so many 
people who who watch, whether it be college basketball, professional, and they just think, oh, well, these guys are they're here to just do their thing. They're they're machines. They're robots. They're not. I mean, I've seen it certainly firsthand when you get to travel with these guys and see them out of their element and see, oh, there there are a lot of other things behind that curtain other than just basketball player. And so for Serge, I'm really excited to see how he continues that. L.A. is a place that you can continue to expand it if that's something that he'd look forward to. Look, if he wants me to co-host it, that's great. I don't really know what else I could add to that show because he's got a great sense of humor. He's got good questions that he asks his guests. My favorite part, as I was saying, is is that bull penis pizza with Kawhi because I I don't know how the rest of Toronto felt, but at least I felt watching it in a moment like, this can't be the best tactic to get this guy to stay with the team. Like, I'm going to feed you the grossest possible thing, and then you're staying, bro, right? It was like, uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. So I hope that continues, and I Long range, it somehow out. be a part of it. It did. It worked out. Look, Serge and Kawhi definitely have a close bond. Um, I love I'm, I'm sure you guys saw this, but if not – I loved how Kawhi recruited him allegedly to the uh, to the Clippers this year, which was Serge was like, yeah, I was just I was just chilling. Serge, free agency had just started, and I got a text from Kawhi saying, "Hey," and I said, "What's up? What it do?" You know, they go to back and forth, and he's like, Kawhi just said, "So are you coming or not?" That was it. That was that was the whole recruitment pitch, and somehow that worked. So. We're excited. Serge is a huge addition, really, really huge addition on the court, off the court. I think he's going to help with with so many facets of this team, and so we're excited. Yeah, uh, no. Speaking of that relationship that uh, Kawhi and Serge have, I think we'd be remiss not to ask you about the type of guy that that Kawhi really is, and and, and your experience with him behind the scenes, and if you've gotten to do, uh, you know, personal interviews with him, and and you know, kind of what the worldview of Kawhi is like versus the, the more uh, 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 in-person, behind-the-scenes uh, look at Kawhi. Yeah, Andy, it's, uh, I think it's misconstrued because he, he shows something publicly and then he's a little bit different uh, behind the scenes in a good way. You know, he, he does have that great personality. He does have a really good sense of humor. And when it's delivered in his dry tone of voice, it's even better. And so I saw that a little bit. He's got his crew of people, Jeremy Castleberry being one, who was an assistant with the Raptors the year that Kawhi was there, and so he's always around. And then his strength coach, which actually was not – he was not, I don't believe, with Toronto. He was working still at San Diego State, which is where he and Kawhi met. He actually happens to live in my apartment building. So I met him pretty early, and I think that helped me a little bit so that Kawhi understood, okay, I can – right, I can trust this dude here. He saw me talking with either – his strength coach or with some of the assistant coaches or with doc. And that always helps. So I, I kind of let it happen organically. I did not go up to him and say, Hey, Hey, Mr. Leonard. Hey, Kawhi. Hey, uh, two time finals MVP. Uh, yeah. Random radio broadcaster here. I know I'm, I'm like looking up to the stars, but uh, you can trust me. Don't worry about me. I'm not going to screw you over or anything. Like, no, I just, I just kind of let that happen eventually. And I did get one opportunity to do an interview with him and this was, it just came together, was not expected. So I was at All-Star Weekend working some virtual reality broadcasts, which is the type of stuff that, that DG and I do at Summer League. But I was doing it at All-Star Weekend this year. And I was working with Richard Hamilton, who 
I loved watching growing up. I love those Pistons teams. I actually got to know Chauncey Billups this past year, and now he's one of our assistant coaches. And so I was excited, and I got to know Rip pretty well. But Rip's kids happen to be there as well. Rip's kids are pretty young, like 12, 13, maybe his oldest, and then 10 and 6. So they're right in that range of 6 through 13, let's say. And we did the all-star game on Sunday and we finished up. But at halftime of that game, Kawhi was the leading scorer. He was knocking down threes left and right. And so I get a text from one of our producers at the Clippers saying, hey, we don't have anybody else here. And if he wins MVP, we need you to interview him. And I was like, okay, yeah, no problem. But I'm working for someone else here. So I need to finish the work with them. I need to finish our broadcast and then we can do that. They said, okay, yeah, just like really try to hurry because you know how Kawhi can be and he's probably not going to wait around. I said, that's fair. And he shouldn't wait around for some random five foot eight broadcaster to, to try to saunter in there late. So I, uh, we go down, we finish the game. First, we basically, it's at United Center and they put us all the way in the hockey press box. We had to go all the way down, run all the way around the concourse area, the tunnel area, get to the court where it's, swarmed with people now they have to set up all the equipment i'm getting texts like hey how far you think you are i'm like ah they got to set this up we got to do this stand up then i'm going to be there she said okay no problem so finally they set everything up i'm like okay let's do it rip knows i'm going to go interview Kawhi when this is all done i'm like dude I, I don't know how much time i have he goes all right let's get this done but his family runs on the court and his kids get up to him and they're like Dad, what's up? And he, I loved his kids. They're hilarious. They were cracking me up the entire weekend. But they're super into TikTok, which, like, I was into TikTok, but not to the level these kids. Like, these kids were were TikTok fanatics to the max. And, and that weekend, the NBA invited some of the biggest names in TikTok to All-Star Weekend, Addison Ray and the D'Amelio sisters and all of these, you know, random names from TikTok. And on the court at that time happened to be all of those TikTokers. And I'm like sitting here, I'm getting literally text. At this Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Text every second of, where are you? We need you here ASAP. And I'm like, I can't do anything. And his kids run up to him and they go, Dad, the TikTokers, we got to get a picture. He goes, yeah. No problem. I'm like, no, what the? No, no, no. Why is why is a 19 year old girl dictating if I'm going to be late to an interview with the Finals MVP? And sure enough, they all go get their pictures. I'm like, Rip's like, hey, just give me a second. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, no problem. And so they took the picture, run back. We do it in one take. I basically throw the microphone, rip off whatever equipment, and sprint to the media area. And literally, he's finishing up an answer in his total media session. They go just right behind that curtain. I walk back, and within five seconds, he walks, and they say, all right, you're on. I'm like, oh, okay. And we just did it, and he was great. He actually had some great answers. Um, but, yeah, the only reason that I think it went well and he was comfortable was because he recognized me from being around, and he knew that he had seen me with his strength coach and the assistants and whatever else. But 
Uh, I almost my, my interview was almost ruined by TikTokers. Let's put it that way, by by 17 through 19 year old girls. Uh, so I will never forgive them for that. No, I think, you know, we always have stories of players, coaches and, and, and you know, their paths. And some of our guests have been foreign players as well. But we also have some broadcasters here. And, you know, tell us about your path. You know, there's a lot of great broadcasters that come out of Syracuse, <coughs> Syracuse, whatever, that school over there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, let me know more about your path. How, how did that come about? How did this this position come about and just, you know, from your days at Syracuse to whatever internships and so forth that, that led you to where you are? Yeah, look, it, it helps that uh, my dad's been doing this since I was just an idea in his head. And, you know, I didn't exist when he first started at the professional level. So he, he's been with now the Brooklyn Nets for this is going to be his 27th year with them. Uh, he's been doing behind the scenes stuff even before that, but he got he got his break with them very young and he's been with them ever since. And he's done a variety of other things. So it, it helped me at least seeing him work and seeing what it took behind the scenes. But uh, when I was super young, uh, maybe five, six, seven years old, people would ask me, Oh, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And most kids that age, they, they've got something cool. They've got something, something nice, awesome as an answer, like astronaut, space cowboy, whatever. I don't know, something awesome. And outside of professional athlete, which every kid who's a sports fan wants to do, I, I, I had one answer that I did not blink. I did not waver. I did not stumble. I just had it ready to go. And I would say, they'd say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'd say, I want to be a TV dentist. It's not a real thing. I can promise you, I've looked into it. It's not quite real yet. Like, I didn't know if I wanted to combine Dr. Phil with, like, a dentist and create some weird superhuman dental assistant. I don't know. But I quickly realized that people hate teeth and don't want to see people's mouths getting worked on on television. And I pivoted pretty quickly when I was, I don't know, 12, 13 years old. I decided, all right, maybe the, the sports broadcasting route makes a little bit more sense. But I always knew something in performance my grandfather was a performance-based person. He was a comedian and an actor. My grandmother was a professional singer. And so that got passed down to then their son, who's my dad, who went into broadcasting, and that got passed down to me. So in some level, I think I always knew it was going to be something of the like. I just didn't know, was it going to be sports? Was it going to be play-by-play? -play? What was it going to look like? And I still don't know what it's going to look like for the rest of my life. As DG mentioned, I'm a big fan of entertainment I love TV, movies, music, et cetera. I could talk about it for hours. Uh, but what ended up happening with the Clippers is really cool. At Syracuse, one of the best parts about having the program and the notoriety that it, it does hold is that your professors and the alumni are always plugged in and they always want to help. And so one of the professors while I was there, her name's Olivia Stomsky, and she runs the Sports Media Center at Newhouse, the communications program. And so she came to me. I would say maybe early February of my senior year, so February of 2019, which I'm now aging myself to be a baby, but February of 2019 or so, she came to me and said, hey, can you send me a reel of your best basketball work, anything that you've done related to basketball? And that includes some of the work that I had done with Dan in Vegas. And so I said, yeah, I'll put something together, but do you want to tell me what it's for? She goes, no, not really. I don't want to. I don't want to let you know. I don't want to key you in. Just know someone's interested. 
I said, okay. So I put something together. It took a few days, and I sent it over to her. And two weeks or so go by, I heard nothing. And by the end of the month, she said, hey, send me a resume and a bio. I said, great, I'll do it. So did that and didn't hear anything for maybe six, eight weeks. I was in Salt Lake City for the tournament with with Syracuse. And I mean, Andy, I'm sure would agree, but if circumstances in our team was different and our starting point guard maybe was there, uh, maybe we wouldn't have lost that first game to Baylor and we would have actually been in Salt Lake City long term, which we had to stay because you have to book through the weekend. So we lose the first day and then we were just in no man's land in a in a city where things close at like 9 p.m. So uh, that was basically what I was dealing with at that point. And I didn't hear anything up to this point. So my college broadcasting career with that loss, similar to the players, was over like that's it that's how it ends and so we were sitting there and I was thinking to myself man I really have to figure out what my next step is going to be like what does my life look like post Syracuse at this point and so I flew back to to Cuse and that next Monday I had been hosting a radio show college sports radio show and I was on my way driving in my car downtown Syracuse and my car lights up and a number pops up that I didn't have from Los Angeles and so I, I answered it, and I said, hello. And there was this big voice. He goes, hello, is this Noah? I was like, yeah. He goes, hey, this is Nick Davis from Fox Sports West Prime Ticket. And uh, as I'm sure you're aware, we're looking to replace Ralph Lawler with the Clippers broadcast. And uh, we want to interview you, fly you out, interview you, and audition you. And I looked around. Like, I looked behind me, too, because I'm like, Am I on punks? Did they bring this show back? Like I was expecting maybe Ashton Kutcher to pop up and say, ah, gotcha. But no, like they were real. He was, he was legit. And so I said, okay, uh, when he said next week, I go, all right. So reached out to my agent. They handled all the travel and whatnot, but I'm still a senior in college. So I had to fly to, to LA and take a red eye back after my interview process. So I flew there and my timing couldn't have been much better. It was during the first round last, last season or two seasons ago, I guess now against golden state. And it wasn't the 31 point comeback, but it was the second one of the series game five at Oracle Clippers just controlled the game all the way through Patrick Beverly had a big game. Lou and Trez uh, did a lot of damage off the bench. And so I went in the next day because they won that game thing. I'm like, I'm playing with house money at this point. They're going to be pumped. And they were. They were pumped. <laughs> so I think that helped me a little bit where they already came in with good feelings from the night prior. And I sat down and I just tried to answer whatever they had best I could. I auditioned with Corey Maggetti. We did a quarter from a game they had earlier in the season off of, off of a screen, off a monitor. And then I flew back home, back to Syracuse. And I had finals that I had to do. But I got another call from my agent saying – hey, uh, must have done something right because Steve Ballmer wants to meet you. And I said, okay, when? He said, this week. I go, where? He said, Seattle. So my frequent flyer miles were off the charts because I had Salt Lake City, Syracuse. I had LA, Syracuse, and then I had Seattle, Syracuse. So my my cross-country flying, I knew the gate agent at the Syracuse airport because it's small. That guy knew me, and he thought that I was the most important person in the entire city of Syracuse. I could assure him I was very, very far from it. I was this random kid 
that he thought was like, man, what is this kid doing? How is he flying all the time? Where's he going? Um, so I flew to say, Seattle, interviewed with Steve Ballmer for pretty much an hour and a half, just one-on-one, which was surreal, crazy. I mean, this dude is super well-known. He is this figure that you see going crazy on your TV. And the coolest thing about him was everything that you've seen on TV or interviews or whatever, it's exactly who he is. He's genuine. He's passionate. For example, when I asked him, I said, well, what are you looking for in your broadcaster? He said, no hesitation. He just looked at me in the eye and said, someone who's hardcore. I said, I, I can do that. Yeah, I can do hardcore. If you need hardcore, I'm your guy. Uh, so I was interviewing for the TV position. I took another red eye back to Syracuse, take a couple weeks to graduate. The day after graduation, I was in Chicago for the G League Elite Camp with uh, my guys, O'Shea Brissett, Tyus Battle. And then after that, I flew back to Syracuse, packed up all my stuff, drove back home to New Jersey. And literally two days after that, I got another call from L.A. And it was our team president, Gillian Zucker, who had interviewed me. And she said, uh, we're going a different direction on the TV side, but it's going to open up the radio position. And we very much want you to take that job. And she said, take your time, take the weekend to think of it. In my head, I'm like, yeah, dude, of course, of course. But I'm like, I played it very cool. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll let you know on Sunday. And she goes, great. And so on Sunday, I called her. I did it and moved across the country and haven't looked back. Sounds pretty awesome to me. And I, I half expect you to be hosting the Grammy Awards or the Academy Awards. <laughs> I'll tell you that the first time I... Uh, heard of Noah was it ended up on YouTube it was a clip of you interviewing your dad Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was before a CBS broadcast possibly a a college game and this is probably 2017 2018 I doubt if you were even 20 years old at this point but the not only the dry humor and sarcasm between the Eagle boys but the absolute talent for this for performing for talking about sports uh, for broadcasting, um, and I, I think you're going to be, if you want to be sports broadcasting for the next 50 years, I'll be long <laughs> you wrap up. But um, one last thing, and then we're going to get you out of here. I, I'm looking at some of these names who did go to the Syracuse Journalism School, Newhouse, Mike Tirico, Dick Stockton, Bob Costas, uh, your dad, Ian Eagle, who I consider, along with Mike Breen, to be the two best play-by-play people in basketball in the world. Uh, Leo Routens, of course. So my, my question to you is, Noah, is there is the is the statue of Leo Routens on the Syracuse campus <laughs> made out of bronze or is it made out of gold? It's right next to Floyd Lill on one side and Jim Brown on the other and Ernie Davis. It's like a, they make a, a square. So you've got... Four legends just going right there next to each other. Uh, no, I mean, look, Leo <laughs> Leo means a great deal to the Syracuse program, as does Andy. I mean, like I said, I grew up watching Andy and those teams, so I just know how much he meant to the program. I know how much Jim Beheim loves to take care of family, and those two, the Routens family, is, is orange forever. It's true with so many other families, myself included. And so you ask, like, what is it about Syracuse that – makes the family thing always it's just the sense of pride it's the sense of hey they do take care of their own and they always make sure that uh we're in a good position and i think that was true in my four years there i had so many people in my corner 
And that's true for people who are just starting, who are the first generation of orange family members. Like you just get taken care of. They make sure that everything is put in position. And the crazy thing, Dan, that that I think most people don't know, that all those names you listed, so you've got Bob Costas, Marv Albert, you could even say, I guess if you want to go chronologically, you've got Dick Stockton and Marv Albert, Bob Costas, Mike Tirico, Sean McDonough, my father, um, and then especially there's there are so many more, Dave Pash and Andrew Catalan and Carter Blackburn and Nick Wright, and just you could go down the list. But the crazy thing is most people don't realize where that all started. And it started with Marty Glickman in 1939 as he graduated Syracuse. And Marty has one of the most fascinating backgrounds of all time, Olympics and broadcasting yeah. and all of it. And he was the one who inspired Marv Albert to go. Marv Albert was the one that inspired Bob Costas to go. Marv and Bob were the ones who inspired Sean McDonough, who inspired Mike Tirico, inspired my dad to go. And then those that generation expire, inspired the next generation. And so if you want to look at the first domino of all of it, it's Marty Glickman. And I, I always find it funny that most people, especially my age, don't really know about him and what he did and, and what he stood for. And it's cooler to think that he was the one who started this boom in broadcasting in central New York. Amazing. Well, my favorite Syracuse alum is Lou Reed. Uh, but that's a topic okay. for another podcast, another day. Noah Eagle, uh, radio voice of the Los Angeles Clippers, have an amazing season. I think your team's going to be incredible. And uh, looking forward to your calls. Thank you so much, my friend, for joining us today. Guys, thank you for having me. It was fun. Uh, I love what you guys do. Good luck in Ottawa, first of all, both you guys. I'm excited to, to follow along from the States. And, yeah, let's go Let's go, Los Angeles Raptors, right? I'm excited to... <laughs> To, to welcome in that hard, hardware. I'm, I'm excited for this season. So looking forward to it. But thanks, guys. All right. Thank good you. stuff. Appreciate you, man. We'll talk to you later. Thanks thanks. Yeah, man. Absolutely, right. guys. Noah, uh, thanks, buddy. Noah joining us all the way from L.A. And we are we are grateful. Uh, you know, we do have a sponsor here, the Henderson Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. Check out their holiday gift packs. Uh, quickly, I want to do uh, this date in Toronto Raptors history. I know. I was there. Going to go to December 9th, 2003. The Raptors were at Cleveland. They beat the Cavaliers 100 to 93. Vince Carter goes for 22, 8, and 7. Gives the Raptors a five-game win streak. And it put them at 13 and 8. And everybody was thinking pretty well of the Raptors at that point. Um, But the significance of that game was it was the first time the Raptors would face a rookie named LeBron James. He scored 18 in the game. Earlier in the preseason in October, the Raptors and Cavs were supposed to meet in St. John's, Newfoundland in a preseason game. But because of unseasonably warm weather, there was condensation on the court from the hockey ice underneath, and the game had to be canceled. Uh, The Raptors eventually finished the season with only 33 wins, missed the playoffs. Carter would be traded the next season, and LeBron, well... He's had a bit of a career, and he's done very well against the Raptors. Check it out online, uh, hashtag T-D-I-T-R-H. Okay, um, we have a few minutes left, and I want to get back to something that we promised earlier in the show, and we're going to talk about Andy Routens, the new assistant general manager of the Ottawa Blackjacks. Um, Javon is the general manager. I am personally so proud of both of you. I, I did not see this coming when we first hooked up on this podcast And here you guys are 
Um, Shep, let me start with you first. What, what was it about working with Andy, knowing Andy, playing with Andy, that made you know that he was the right person to be the assistant? I mean, it's simple. Andy's played at Syracuse. He had a successful career at Syracuse. He had an, you know, an incredible professional career. You know, stops in the NBA with New York, um, you know, EuroLeague experience. Uh, and, and uh, you know, with all of that, if you, you factor in all of that, that comes with a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of experience and a wealth of relationships. So I think when you, you know, when you want somebody in that position, it's somebody that understands the game from both sides. You know, the encore as a player, as well as, you know, tactically from a coaching standpoint. And, you know, a guy that's negotiated his own contracts as, as well, right? So I think, you know, it, it, was a, it was a shoe and it was a, it, simple. As simple as that, there's not much that you would, you would look, nothing else that you'd really look for, um, you know, in a position like that. He encompasses everything. I think, you know, just even based on our relationship, you know, both of us born in 1986 and coming into, you know, starting our careers, our collegiate careers at the same time, having different experiences and just, you know, the relationship that we've built over the years, being able to work together, bump heads together, um, problem solve, you know, together, um, you know, we spent enough time to understand each other's goals, philosophies and beliefs. And I think that that made it that much easier. And then, you know, I forgot to mention a guy that was you know, the anchor for our, our Canadian men's national team for, you know, uh, what was it, maybe 10, a 10 year, 10 year span. So uh, I think when you're, when you factor in all of that, you couldn't, you, you know, you can't overlook that at all. Shep, Shep, do you want to, do you want to ask him a question now, not as his GM, but as a journalist interviewing him on a, What's quick as a journalist on the podcast in Canada? Andy Rounds. Now that you're in the position, what do you plan to do with this Ottawa, this Ottawa Blackjacks team? Win a championship. What are you talking about? Win a championship. There's only one goal in mind, and that's always <laughs> win. But I mean, you know, having said that, I think the most important part of this CBL experience that Shep and I are about to embark on is to enhance the players' experience and 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 further along their careers to get them more notoriety to improve their skill set in the summertime to make it an enjoyable family uh, style atmosphere that we want to get them coming back year after year engage the community uh, you know Ottawa Gatineau is, is, a, is a huge it's, it's the Canada's capital it's it's a huge basketball market very international so we're going to try to you know inter inter interweave the, the the players in the community and, and we're just going to try to get wins. We're just going to try to have fun uh, and bring in a coach that's a player's coach, somebody who can, like we said, enhance their skill set, uh, be aware that these are professionals uh, who who make a great deal of money overseas, and, and we want to get them a little bit more uh, here in the homeland. And, and it's just all about finding that right chemistry. And I think Shep is, like I said, he's the, he's the captain of the ship, and, and, and his word goes, and I'm just here to support him and, and try to, give them some of my basketball experience and, and, and build that chemistry and foundation of, of a winning atmosphere in, in Ottawa. And Andy, at some point um, you made the decision, or I assume you've made the decision, you're not going back to Europe. Um, the world has just changed so much in, in this year with the pandemic. And, uh, you know, I feel like you're finding your home here in Canada and Toronto and Ottawa and Ontario but it, it is interesting to me that 
you know, there's so many directions you could go in. You could have left the sport of basketball. You could stay in basketball as a, a coach, a broadcaster. Um, I, I think you have so many options. Maybe, maybe I think you have more options than you even know. What was it about um, the, the, the opportunity to be in a front office more so than coaching or, or broadcasting? Not that those things are, are by the wayside, but what, what is the allure of being in a front office and making those kinds of basketball decisions? I mean, I think it's a great, you know, in transitioning out from being a player, I think you're not far enough removed from the game to be a coach immediately because I think that you still have that player type of mentality. And so to be a GM, an assistant GM, you kind of get to pull back, see the game from a different lens, uh, use your your experience from the game of basketball uh, to learn the business side of things and, and to how the game works and, and to kind of get that mentality of, oh, this is where I fucked up as a player. Uh, uh, here's where I could connect better with my players. Uh, here's how to manage this and that. So to have this opportunity to learn a new side of things um, and, and not be directly involved, uh, you know, with the players uh, on, on, a, on, a, on a coaching level, I think is, is a nice way to kind of get some space, figure out, you know, where your strong suit is uh, within an organization and, and make moves from there. I'm not saying I'm limiting myself to just this. Uh, it, it's a good opportunity and, and it's especially attractive because I get to work with Shep, who's such a well-rounded, versatile guy. Uh, and, and his connections in Canada are limitless. So, as well as overseas, I mean, he's a worldly guy. He's, so, I think this is is the right thing to do for the CBL is to transition these guys who are former players, um, and that's what this league is about—to give that opportunity for Canadian athletes, uh, you know, uh, you know, professional athletes all over the world, uh, to make this league uh, something very special for for Canadians. And you know, I just want to interject there and say. Um, Andy, yourself as well, when we were in Europe playing, there was a lot of former athletes, former players that were general managers and presidents of those teams. I, I know even uh, a team I played on, Tony Parker at the time, was was assistant general manager while he was still playing. So I think it's it's always an interesting concept. And I think in Canada, we're, we're you know, behind, a little behind in, in that sense. And, you know, there may be some questions in terms of, oh, you know, Andy and myself taking that position and is there experience? Well, if you look at it from, like the, you know, the cup half full, we have all the experience that's that's needed for this position being that we have more than, than somebody that's never played the game, right? Because you've lived everything. So I think that's going to be the interesting part and just the exciting thing is that, man, everything you lived, you're able to, you know, you put it into front office now. So I'm excited just to, you know, be on that journey with you. Um, you know, a guy that we, we came into this thing together um, and we're, we're going out together, you know, so it's... Absolutely. I mean, like, we've had countless conversations about, you know, you know, through our, throughout our playing career, while we're overseas, how we do things differently, how we would, you know, manage certain things on a team and, and to finally be able to have the opportunity to do that. You know, I think we have so much experience, uh, you know, with, with certain situations on teams that we just do differently. So we have basically this entire playbook of 10, 11 years of, you know, how to get it right. And obviously there's going to be some fuck ups early on. There's going to be a learning curve in terms of the business side of things. But as far as basketball goes and understanding players, I think, you know, it, we're by far and away more qualified than a lot of people. So, 
so it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be a really good opportunity, a really good opportunity to advance this league. And, and like I said, it, you know, Shep's the guy here. So you know, to be able to work with him is, is a real treat. And I think that's, that's paramount at the end of the day is that, you know, we have an opportunity not just, you know, you've alluded to being you and I working together and so forth, but even across the board, this being, you know, a domestic league in our country that's going to be able to, you know, it's off to a great start, great footing. Um, you know, some of the players have, have moved on and had, you know, earned some lucrative contracts since even from this past season and the exposure that these guys are getting from, you know, the players to, you know, guys like ourselves that are taking front office positions. And, and you know, it's been well received. And, uh, and even just your decision, my phone, my phone's blowing up with, I didn't even know that the, the announcement was made yet. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, so CDC, you know, they recently reached House of Highlights. So it's a, it's on a worldwide platform now. You know, really? I think that they've done a really good job in terms of the marketing side. And I think it's on us to develop the player side and, and, and the marketability here in Canada as well. So I think the sky's the limit for the CBL. And I think, you know, there's this one last part I'll touch on, which is a, a story that Andy probably doesn't even remember. Just this, go, this just goes to show the competitive nature um, that Andy has as well outside of just competing on the court. I remember years ago, uh, Andy had come back to this before we even got to college. I think we were at a, it may have been George Brown campus downtown. And we were, you know, I was working out at a gym. It was just you and I in the gym, but you were on one end. I was on another end, but we didn't say, I'm sure I, I knew it was Andy Routens. At that time, we hadn't spoke to each other. Everybody in Canada knows who you were. I knew it was Andy Routens. I'm sure he knew who, who I was, but... Because we're we're essentially competing for the same spots, you know, whether whether we go to the same school or or not, you know, both a wing both wing players. He, he's obviously a better shooter. I may be a better athlete, but we didn't say a word to each other. But we worked. It was like a, a silent pissing contest because he was working <laughs> out on his end, you know, just firing it off, hit about a, probably a hundred out of hundred and ten threes. I'm trying to show him every windmill I got, every, you know, every possible <laughs> I have in my package. We still hadn't said a word to each other. But that was just, you know, just to show the competitive nature. And then eventually that grew into, you know, a, a friendship, a brotherhood. And we also have to commend the, the experience with the national team. And, you know, you know, Andy's pops, Leo, who essentially brought all of us together and still to this day is a father figure to all of us. And And, and look at you guys now. And uh, Andy, we, we got we to gotta wrap up because you have all kinds of interviews to do today. One last quick question. You know, you, you mentioned the term strong suits, and it couldn't help, me, help make me and our producer, Dan Wong, think about the suit game that both of you are going to be bringing. We've seen Shep on First of all, yeah. I, I'm taking notes from Shep. On TV. Yeah. You're, okay. Like, what's this going to be? Lots my playbook. My playbook is is every day. Chef, what are you wearing today? Chef, uh, what do you got for me? Because I don't know. If you haven't seen Chef on TV, it's something to behold. His suit game is proper. He knows how to dress. So I'm going to be taking all my, my yeah. playbook from, uh, from Chef. Yeah. Chef is already the best dressed man in Canadian television. Um, uh, we're going to have you guys know after every hit, Leo would tell me, adjust your tie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So now Andy's oh. going to get a little bit of coaching from Pops. Okay. Yeah. okay. Well, I'm sure uh, Leo Routens has to be so proud today of, of really of both of you guys. I'm proud of you. I can't believe this is happening. Two out of the three Ottawa Blackjacks. And uh, I expect to be there in the presidential suite 
on opening night when the Blackjacks play their first game in Ottawa. Uh, special thanks to our guest today, Noah Eagle, who uh, called in from Los Angeles. He's the play-by-play for the LA Clippers. He was incredible. Uh, Shep, Andy Routens, the front office of the CEBL's Ottawa Blackjacks. Best luck to you guys for an amazing season. Uh, thanks to Dan Wong, our extraordinary producer. And this has uh, this has been one fun episode. I'm glad we got to do it. And uh, we're going to do this again next week because next week we are on the eve of an NBA season starting. So we're going to have to really start talking ball and preview the year. Thanks to everybody for listening. And we will be back next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.